0: Hello and welcome to The Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison, your co-host, and joining me in a very special post-election 2022 treat is the great, the glorious, the love of my life, my partner in socialism.
1: And your comrade.
0: Bam, batom. Hello, comrade. How are you, Comrade? Yeah, I'm pretty good, actually.
1: I went to a bit of a party last night. <laughs> yeah,
0: and we woke up in uh, uh, Labor Australia.
1: I've woken up in a Labor Australia before, and I've got to say, every time I have, I felt good.
0: It does feel good. It does feel good, of course.
1: A big shout out to my dancing partners last night, Sally McManus, Secretary of the ACTU, and Will Strack, TikTok celebrity and Assistant Secretary of Victorian Trades Hall. What funky women they are.
0: Indeed. And... Look, there were thousands of people celebrating not just at Victorian Trades Hall but Trades Halls and bowls clubs and social clubs right around the country last night. And if ever there was a time to join your union and be part of building a better future, it, it is. It is
1: right now. It is right now. And I've got to say when we got to Trades Hall last night, Every time we go there, because for those of you who don't know, Ben and I met at a party at Trades Hall. So I thoroughly recommend the social experience. But it's walking in and knowing it's wall-to-wall comrades and that sense of belonging, Absolutely. that sense of being part of something that's bigger than you, where every single person, strangers who care for you, is that is that feeling of solidarity that just radiates through that building. And last night it was just like
0: I am with my family. And it's just so amazing. I mean, you can join online right now, australianunions.org.au. Seriously, what are you waiting slash for? Slash wow. Slash wow. Slash wow. australianunions.org.au slash wow. That will get you straight into the join form. Join your union. And, of course, Van, we saw some people, or well, we saw many people last night who listened to this podcast. A huge shout out to everyone who came up and said hello. But there were two people in particular who I think really touched us uh, in, in, the, in
1: Right in the feels. R- not, not on the body, because it wasn't that kind of party, but <laughs> right in the feels. And we want to do a big shout out to Dave and Alicia, who we had never met before, who came up to us at the party at Trades Hall and said that they had gotten involved in the election campaign because they'd been listening to The Week on Wednesday and went, you know, we're in this. Yeah. We're in this. And got, and got involved and came up and talked to us about it. And today we've received so many messages from people who said that the show has helped them feel more confident, talking about their politics and talking about politics to their friends and their family members and feeling part of a community. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to build a community of, of people who share our values and give what we know to, to the people who are, are part of the same movement we are, you know, the technical information about politics and voting and the economy and things that we have picked up over our time, we, we want to give to our comrades. That's,
0: they're the values we live and die by. Absolutely. And just so great to, you know, at 1 o'clock in the morning, have two people come up to us and say, we got involved, we're here, we're enjoying ourselves, you know, we feel empowered um, and just thank you for coming up and telling us that because we had a very long day yesterday, both of us, of course. Um, Van, you came to Melbourne from Sydney. Mm, got um, up
1: at 4 o'clock in the morning.
0: I opened a booth in our local town, uh, so I got up at uh, not quite as early as you actually, which is interesting, uh, but handed out for three hours or so uh, before we went and we did. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, you can catch it on the uh, uh Dunn Street YouTube channel, I think it's still up on our Week on Wednesday Facebook page. It's so on my Facebook page. On Van's Facebook page. We did a, a four-hour in the end, three-and-a-half-hour? Yeah,
1: three-and-a-half to four-hour live election telecast because Ben and I and our friends were of the opinion that, so I, I quoted this on Twitter today, my uh, activist hero is Abby Hoffman and an amazing American activist. Um, like activist from the 1960s, whose books I have read and I recommend wholeheartedly to anyone, um, Revolution for the It" had quite an impact on me as a young person. And he has this line, which is, the modern revolutionary heads to the TV station. And people like Ben and I, we haven't had access to TV stations, so we've decided to just make our own. And last night with our friends David Feeney and Stephen Donnelly and amazing cast of celebrities from across all parts of the movement, from Simon Hamer's Court, Sally McManus, Grace Tame, Will Strack, uh, our friends down in Tasmania, Francis Leach, Sue Lyons in Western Australia, Brad Chilcott in South Australia, like Jackie Trad in Queensland, the most incredible crew of people, uh, we put together an election telecast because we wanted to cover the election in the language of our values.
0: And, you know, 46,000 people uh, have watched it so far. It's been huge, the response.
1: And just to put that in context, that's more people than watched the last episode of Chris Kenny's TV show on Sky before the election.
0: So, you know, if you're listening to this at home or in the car or on the train or, or on a jog, whatever you do when you listen to The Week on Wednesday and The Weekend Wrap, you are absolutely not alone. And... I do want to just give uh, a quick plug and thank you to Mikel and Morris Blackburn and Dunstreet who sponsored last night's broadcast. They haven't sponsored this broadcast, but I think they deserve it anyway because it was such a huge undertaking, pulled together in three days, getting a studio, getting a crew together, getting numbers, people in the background, getting it all done. Just so much effort went into it. And I think it was really worthwhile. There was some really good discussion. We heard lots of feedback. Uh, we hope to do those sorts of things. Uh, more in the future. Uh, we hope that with a, a, a progressive Labor government led by Anthony Albanese, there'll be lots of really good policy discussions to have. Uh, and, of course, the-
1: and, and I've got- Can I just say, like, on the ideological um, conversation, like, Ben and I are democratic socialists mm, mm. and we're from the, you know, the harder left side of the movement. Mm. Our friends David Fenny and Stephen Donnelly are social democrats mm. and they're from the more centrist side of the movement. but. Karl Marx himself said that that conversation between, you know, the socialism and so- and social democrats is the most powerful transformative conversation in the world because it shares the fundamental belief of how do we help working people and society at large better? And we love that. That's our yeah. favourite
0: kind of conversation. And, and Donnelly today was tweeting about how important it is that we, you know, organise and we get communities organising and empowered to, to – to take advantage of this opportunity now, you know, we've had a decade of Tory misrule, Liberal Party misrule. And
1: absolute naked corruption.
0: And, and you know, abuses of different groups and segments of society. You know, some of the things Grace Tame said last night about the targeting of politically friendly
1: Geordies, That's who else we had on friendly the show. I knew I'd forgotten.
0: Jordan Shanks was there, uh, uh, but you know, when Grace Tame said the targeting of of segments of politically vulnerable groups uh, for political gain has backfired. It backfired on Scott Morrison. Scott Morrison has shattered his own party. Um, you know, and I think Van, one of the things you and I have been discussing today is well, what does this mean? Of course, we've seen. Um, You know, 12 or so independents now from Teal Independents through to Cata and everything in between in terms of ideological spectrum. uh, The Greens do look like they may well pick up two or three seats and and end up with as many as four seats in the lower house. Bonnie Hanson may lose her Senate seat in Queensland.
1: Not only may she lose it, but she may lose it to the legalised cannabis party, which I've got to say (laughs) would be the most fun part of the whole proceeding.
0: You know, it, and, of course, Labor has uh, news. news.com is saying Labor has 76 seats. It's winning Benalong. It's winning Deacon. Michael Succa is out, uh, and there are four seats in doubt. Uh, three of them are leaning towards Labor. That would get Labor to 79. It may well it may well yet be that Anthony Albanese has the largest majority government since Tony Abbott won the 2013 election. Uh, you know what? Is, what does this moment tell us? There's lots of spin now, right? This is the time when people start to spin what it means and try and oh. set a narrative and a framework for how really this government is set up. But you and I were talking about that. Actually, what we're observing is that this election demonstrates that Australia is fundamentally a a Menzian hawk country.
1: It is. It is. And. Rather than going, oh, this is you know the dawning of a new era. Well, Ben and I aren't of that opinion. We are thrilled there's a Labour government, absolutely, and we're thrilled that the Teals and the Greens made gains, yeah, frankly.
0: Absolutely. But particularly the con- at the expense of people like uh, Tim Wilson and Jason Filan. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> while I am personally just unbelievably devastated that Terry Butler may not be returned as the member for Griffith because, full disclosure, Terry and I have been extremely close friends for 30 years and often when people have asked me why I don't go into parliament, I've gone because Terry Butler is there and she represents my values and is a brilliant lawyer and policy person and I'm a dramaturg and theatre maker, so, yeah, she's probably more qualified. Um, I've got to say that um, where Ben and I are coming from is what, Represent What's going on is that Australians, because we have universal enfranchisement, which some mm. people incorrectly call compulsory voting, mm. Mm. Australian politics defers to a centre it defers to a, a conversation between essentially social democrats and small ill liberals mm. about what to prioritize within you know the legislative and resource capacity of the government and what that meant under menzies in the long menzie's era was that you had menzie's going to elections as a liberal as the leader of the liberal party but a small ill liberal yeah. saying well we support unions yeah we're not going to bust unions we don't think they should have too much power but we're not going to bust them and And for supporting things like the right to privacy and, you know, limitations on freedom of association, but believing that, and limitations on the freedom of the press. Obviously we had censorship in Australia at that time, but, you know, a a fundamental commitment to those sort of liberal values. You know, the Menzies era maintained the economic reforms of the Curtin-Chifley era and things like full employment Mm. and the right to organise and things that raised the standard of living for working people. They kept those in place, you know, it wasn't about running, you know, thumping a hammer on the working class. It was about keeping the parts of the, you know, more socially conservative working class on their side. And that works in a centrist democracy. Mm, mm. Um, and then, of course, we had the the flip of the pendulum eventually, Um after the extraordinary reforms of the necessary reforms of the Whitlam era Um, and, you know, unearned dismissal, but let's not go there. Um, But if you look at the Hawke era where you had 13 years of Mm. Labor government because you had an extremely pro-union, pro-working class, pro-institution, pro-social democracy Mm. Labor Party that also said the prosperity of the working class is good for small business. Yeah. And we will take some of the restrictions off the capacity of people to run their own businesses. You know, what? there's a really important story from the Hawke era, which was about Paul Keating's father. Mm. Paul Keating's father was a boilermaker who wanted to start his own business and be a tradie, mm. basically. Mm-hmm. And couldn't get a loan from a bank to start his own small business. So was, you know, a qualified tradesperson, yeah. but was in the capacity where he had to work for someone else. He had to work for someone who already had capital mm. because a bank wouldn't give it to him. And what the achievement of the Hawk keating era was, was essentially to create the tradie class, mm. to take a, a community of workers who were highly skilled and highly trained and give them the capacity to run their own
0: businesses. Mm. Mm.
1: And, it's- and,
0: and, and, you know, retain more of the gains of their own productivity.
1: Yeah, yeah, and return,
0: which is another thing that Karl Marx argues
1: for, you know, <laughs> yeah. that artisans should be able to support themselves yeah. without being indentured to capital. Yeah. Crazy. You know, it would be really great if a lot of people who criticise me who are on the right. left actually yeah. did the reading. Look, but If you can't do the reading, listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, true, you know.
0: Oh, Twitter is a So, But it is interesting, right, because that, that hawk era, you know, you had that long period of Menzies, then you had – um, the chaos and instability after Menzies left within the Liberal Party, multiple prime ministers sort of um, trying to hold it together, but really the kind of chaos we've seen in the Morrison front bench, not necessarily the leadership of the Liberal Party, but the the, the kind of cabinet level. And then, of course, you had Gough come in and and really try and do everything really quickly. Um, and, and it's not, uh, you know, I'm not saying that Gough is like Abbott, but certainly You know, at the other end of the spectrum, right?
1: Yeah, and golf moved quickly, and which was necessary. Yeah, and I am grateful for every single game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, but, you know, the reality of what happened after Gough, after the dismissal, I mean, the forces of reaction were Huge. incredibly powerful and they dismissed a democratically elected government. Yeah. And uh, what we lost in the the wake of Whitlam, despite all of the gains, was we lost Medicare. So yeah. they brought it in and then Fraser kicked it out again. And, of course, Fraser, and, and this is the real tragedy. I mean, people talk about the neoliberal slide under Ketting and Hawke and I'm not denying that yeah. that happened and they legislated in a neoliberal Frame around the economy. But the neoliberal shift actually happened under Fraser. Yeah. It was Fraser who sacked all of the Keynesians, who are like our kind of people, the left wing economists from the Treasury, who sacked heaps of public servants and who set up government to essentially advise the incoming Labour government that it was just, you know, mm. economic necessity that neoliberalism had to be introduced.
0: And, and I think the one of the interesting things about this election and the era we're in now, and how that compares to to you know the Menzian hawk construct, if you like, is that the the reaction to Morrisonism uh, and and the social policies of Morrisonism has been in. Those small L Liberal heartland seats that 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 basically say this is not who we are.
1: Exactly, we are
0: we are not. This is not who we are. We are we are for we are for profit. We are for capital, but we are also for a sense of civility. We are for a sense of manners. We are for a sense of opportunism. And that's
1: literally the Menzian construct yeah. of the Liberal Party. So Menzies forms the Liberal Party in forty eight.
0: Yeah, I think so, 48, 49.
1: 48, and then they win the election in 49 and beat Chifley, which I know still breaks your heart. All this time we should nationalise the banks. And, and of course, that Menzian compact, there's a really interesting quote that's associated with Menzies when he was asked why don't you call it a conservative party? And he said, because the conservatives will vote for us anyway. Mm. It's it's a, a liberal framework that will allow us to govern and, and meant that. And where could conservatives go, you know, apart mm. from to a centrist liberal party in a centrist democracy that has universal enfranchisement?
0: And it's been interesting to see that Morrison, and you and I were talking about this earlier, that Morrison, when he became prime minister, took his caucus, I think it was to a basketball court or a gym or something, and talked about how they were the heirs of Menzies and that he wanted to have a have a Menzies Liberal Party. And of course, the great irony is that he didn't run a Menzies Liberal Party. No, he ran the Bruce National Party of of nineteen twenty nine. And not, not not when it was in government, but when it was in opposition. <laughs> Um, and, and we have been here in Australian
1: politics before, friends, which yeah. is why Ben and I aren't on the progressive revolution train because the Teals and the Greens, I mean, there are economic positions associated with the Greens which, frankly, are anathema to Ben and I, um, their support for uberizing employment and their support for um, you know, and hopefully all kinds of and positions. Ho- and
0: hopefully, you know, some of those statements that they made when Uber was first coming in.
1: Where were, they want to Uberise childcare and labour hire and, and with the lightest possible regulatory touch from government. And
0: hopefully those early statements uh, were misinformed because I think what experience has shown the rest of us and hopefully it's shown... Um, Nick McKim and and anyone else in the grounds who felt that way uh, is that actually the lightest possible regulatory touch results in exploitation and the worst excesses of vulture capitalism. So what we'd like to see, obviously, is more of the Hawkian approach, and and that really kind of brings me um, to the second part. Right, is that. Morrison failed to to be the heir of menzies. he He fundamentally didn't do that, He he embraced Trumpism, he embraced bannonism, he he attacked minorities, he you know all the things that we know why he lost the election. But it's not just why he lost the election, it's why he's broken the Liberal Party.
1: Well, I mean part of the problem is, I mean, and this is the thing, like when I talk about the the teals and and the greens, they are really in a position to inherit meansism. And that's mm. where they've profited in this election because they have taken the votes off the Liberals. They have captured the territory of those smaller Liberal votes. If you look at where the Greens have made gains in particular, it's in areas that have gentrified, yeah. that attract that wealthy professional middle class who traditionally have been a Liberal electorate.
0: And it's interesting because you hear people say, oh, this electorate's always been Labor. Da, da, da. And it's like, well, when it was first founded, that electorate was a slum. Yes. And now it's the most expensive property in that state.
1: Well, I mean, look <laughs> at my family, I mean, who emigrated unable to speak English, yeah. who lived in the what was the ghetto in Erskineville yeah. in Sydney and did everything they possibly could, including serving in World War Two, yeah. to be able to move out of the Erskineville ghetto and move out to the suburbs, yeah. which is how we ended up in the electorate of Cook. Um, and yet if they had have stayed in Erskineville i mean i i can't like i don't even want to think yeah. about what inner city sydney prices are like now but that's the demographic shift so it's a mythology in australian politics that the liberals that the greens rather take um, votes from the labor party yeah. really they concentrate around those gentrified areas
0: and it's interesting then to see the shifts <laughs> for labor in in you know, uh, suburban Perth in uh, suburban Melbourne uh, in the, you know the, the improvement in the Labor vote in suburban Brisbane, um, but not extending very far. Uh, Queensland is a whole different thing. Uh, the Florida of Australia is David Feeney said. Yeah, it's a very different place. Sorry, Stephen Donnelly. That's a Donnelly one. Yeah. But but it is that hawk. Uh, that hawk belt of voters, that that working class, middle class, um, you know, wanting to do better, wanting to have more, wanting to be material part of voters, it. material voters. It's wanting to be part of a community and be prosperous. Uh, and we saw, we've seen in Victoria, WA, and I'm sure we'll see in South Australia, um, and under the Palaszczuk government in Queensland, a real focus on that. Right. So at a state level there's been such a strong focus on that. The brand, the labor brand is so associated with jobs, with wages with what we're doing in our communities.
1: Opportunity and understanding jobs. And we've talked about this on the show before, how when jobs come into a community, that's good for small business. Yeah, absolutely. Because building the hospital or putting in the new rail link or getting rid of level crossings and the, the workers who come in to do those projects are the people who spend money in the cafe and might have a bit of a look in the clothing store or buy some flowers on the way home. I mean, those are uh, out where we are in the regions, they are powerful like economic mm. opportunities. Opportunities for all different kinds of Australians, and that Hawke Menzies belt of voters who vote around material opportunity.
0: And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the Albanese federal government, you know, delivers on that on that promise because that was very much the focus of the campaign. Now we had two weeks; the last really two weeks of the campaign were about wages, about job security, cost of living, cost of living. Uh, and about what government can do versus what government can't do, Uh, and really different visions of Australia. And, It is. It is. Of course, there'll be you know, federal ICAC. There'll be uh, policies around climate change. You know, justice for women. Justice for women. Labor's committed to implementing all fifty-five recommendations of the Respect at Work report around enshrining um, gender gender equality in the Fair Work Act. Voice department was the first thing Anthony Albanese said when he got up and gave his acceptance speech, which I thought was both very gracious. He didn't put up with any booing from the crowd. There was a sort of a weird moment where on TV you couldn't quite pick it up but there was some people who were kind of heckling Scott Morrison and I think and, and Anthony Benisi said, we're not doing that. We're an orderly party. We're hmm. going to run an orderly government and it starts today. And I think that's a really good clear signal. You know, that's very Hawkean. Hawke ran an orderly cabinet where ministers had clear briefs. They ran their departments. They ran their portfolios. They delivered on the promises that were set. And as a result, as you say, 13 years of labor government. Yeah. Huge transformational projects, Medicare, superannuation.
1: And those the kind of projects that make socialists like me and you yeah. really happy. Absolutely. Because our thing is government jobs, government infrastructure, yeah. a welfare state, cradle to grave opportunity, opening the doors so you can be a kid from social housing with a mother on a disability, a single mother on a disability pension. And do economics that's in uni and one day become prime minister. Like that's Phenomenal. the kind of Labor framework. I mean you and I were born into circumstances that are completely different to how we live now and we both had the transformative opportunity of education and mm. welfare and healthcare that enabled us to pursue our vocational calling. I mean the idea that my family has produced a playwright is just it, it was unthinkable to my yeah. parents that they would ever have opportunities like that. Your mum, who worked in an abattoir and the
0: laundry it, of a mental hospital, and the laundry, as it was called then, and yeah. the
1: laundry of what was then called a the mental hospital, to have a son who, you know, has an MBA and, and runs organizations, like it's just, it's. Inconceivable, um, the the transformation that we've seen in our own trajectories, and we owe those trajectories to Labor governments. Well, I want
0: to I want to briefly talk about the things that I think that. Labor now has an opportunity to save, to fix, to get back on the right track. You know, obviously, at the end of the campaign, Morrison talked about basically uh, disassembling superannuation. Uh, Obviously, they've wrecked the NDIS for so many, many people. They had multiple ministers. In the last five years, it was seen as a punishment portfolio to be given out to people. Um, Bill Shorten, um, you know, he's so passionate about that uh, portfolio, about those issues. You know, the the opportunity there for the NDIS to really actually be delivered in the way it was originally intended is now there. Um, We know around the future of work around Uberization, around the gig economy, uh, we know around wages. Labor's got lots, lots to offer there. Uh, we know around respect for women, around around facilitating women's participation. The, the way Albanese talked about childcare is a productivity uh, policy. You know, the childcare has been treated in this country as though it's some form of welfare for women to go off and have shandies down, you know, with each other. But
1: this is what happens and what's gone wrong with the Liberal Party is that the Liberal Party, the Conservatives in the Liberal Party got greedy. Yeah. They didn't realise or they forgot they were there and they enjoyed influence and power by the grace of the smaller Liberals who built the brand. Yeah. I mean, the, the Liberal vote, and we can see this in the results and the kind of seats they lost and where they lost them, that Liberal party voters, and I've said this on the show before, mm. they want to be Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah. They want to be Julia Banks. They want to be Kelly O'Dwyer, yeah. Christopher Pine. and those kind of, and that's why all of those people got wheeled out. To well, yeah. Malcolm Turnbull was not here. Yeah, yeah. But Kelly O'Dwyer, Chris Pine, Alexander Downer, they were all wheeled out at the Kuyong campaign. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that. but that, it was too late. Yeah. Like Frydenberg had lost them. He'd lost control to a caucus that was riven by the likes of, you know, Michael Suker and- um, Gerald Rennick. And Gerald Rennick, who's a loon, and uh, Amanda Stoker. Mm. And, and part of what went on is that, I mean, the fundamental rule- in, not just in politics but in all life, is don't get high on your own supply. Yeah. And the Liberals have been huffing Murdoch propaganda like it was opiated hash for some time and came to believe that what Murdoch was reflecting back on Sky and in the pages of The Australian was this reality. Like the the Murdoch papers have been insisting that Australians are deeply socially conservative and that, you know, that things like like attacking trans children would be a vote winner. And, and it's just not true. And it's fun. No, it is not true. They didn't make the gains in Western Sydney that they thought they would make. On, in fact, on,
0: swings to Labour, big swings to Labor in some of those places.
1: Yeah, absolutely. By thinking, oh, well, they voted no on marriage equality. So, you know, we'll demonize children. We'll, children we'll demonize children from the LGBTQIA community and and they'll come to us. Like they didn't seem to realize that that campaign, the marriage equality campaign, actually put the imprimatur of government on fairness and human rights and communities that voted no in 2017 are now ambivalent about the issue. They've yeah. gone from a negative position to an ambivalence. I mean, we have the situation that... You know, a same-sex wedding that we attended. The bride's Mormon family turned up, even though they had been no voters. Yeah. Once it was in law, well, I mean, then it's a family event. Everybody yeah. Everybody goes. You know. So, I mean, this is these are some of the cal- poor calculations mm. made by an a greed a, gre- a power hungry ideological hard right who, rather than looking at the actual political reality of the seats that they were in, mm. Michael Sooker, mm. mm. um, actually looked at what was being written in Murdoch papers and believed the ideological line as opposed to reality.
0: And they've surrounded themselves, of course, with people who reinforced that, right? And and they hired staff who reinforced those views. They they created campaigns of people who supported those views. They solicited donations from people who supported those views. And they created, as you say, not just not just getting high on their own supply in a back room somewhere. They created a crack den of <laughs> of of being able to huff this nonsense. Um and and it and it flies in the face of reality. And and the the teals, you know, we're going to have more independence in the lower house than we've had really since the 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 collapse of the Nationalist Party uh, in 1929, um, which I think is a huge uh, telling factor. Most of those will come from um, what was once the Liberal Party. We had the, the incredible situation where the Liberal leader in the Senate was saying, we need to Purge the moderates. (laughs) No, well, the Liberal leader in the Senate was saying the opposite. Oh, no, that's
1: sorry. That was Simon Birmingham saying
0: we've got to return to. We've got to return to a Menzian framework at the same time as um, uh, Ante Rebic was saying we've got to purge the moderates, you know, in the Senate. So two Senate. What you've merged
1: Gerald Reddick and um, Antic, I think, and <laughs> you've created Sorry some kind that. of hybridized, like ultra Tory, oh, oh, wow. like the Voltron of bad Tory parts. <laughs> but, burr, burr, but you had the
0: burr, 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 burr. but you had the Liberal leader in the Senate and a Liberal Senator at the same time last night up on different channels saying completely opposite things. Now, those people are going to try and work together. It'd be interesting to see how they do. It's not a conversation and it hasn't been a conversation in that party for some time. Labor is having a conversation and yeah, okay, the pathway that Labor has walked was not the pathway that was mapped out in media. It was not the pathway we thought when we had our broadcast last night, we we were adjusting and, and seeing it. But when you look at it when you step back to the macro and you look at the demographic shifts and you look at the different house price values where job security is where people are in insecure work where people are you know first generation australians second generation australians and you go hang on a minute hang on a minute there are patterns here that that we've seen before and it is that menzian hawk framework and This kind of idea that some people, as you say, peddling this, oh, you know, uh, green slide or or, um, teal cano or whatever people like to say, (laughs) teal cano. The (laughs) the reality is,
1: I'll love you until I am dead and then
0: some. The reality is that Labor has won the election with a majority of seats on the basis of talking about Labor issues around wages. Job security, opportunity. opportunity through the provision of services that facilitate people's Structuralized participation,
1: structuralised material
0: opportunity, and all the other things, all the other good social policies that Labor governments in Victoria and WA and Queensland have
1: already done. I mean, this is what's so interesting,
0: you know. But those, but those, Van, the point I was going to make there is that those come about because you deal with the material realities. It gives you a license to go and say. We can do these other things. Look, we're doing this. We're doing these. We're doing these core things. Now let's have a conversation about this. This this cultural issue, mm. this social issue, and and that's what they've been doing at the state level, and I think that's what Anthony Albanese is actually doing as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean I think it's a really exciting time, and I think in terms of looking at those socially liberal issues, that are really important. Yeah, they are really important. Well, the the license has been given. You know, the licence, it turns out that the Murdoch press doesn't represent um, a majority position on social issues in this country, and that's
0: incredibly exciting. And a 94-year-old billionaire who lives in America doesn't represent Australian social issues?
1: I mean, it's extraordinary, <laughs> and neither does his extremely wealthy, has been around wealth all his life, third generation of wealth. His son is doesn't have his finger on the pulse of what the ordinary person thinks. No. I mean, gosh, what a coincidence if only somebody could have predicted that. Like, it, I mean, this is what is really interesting and, and a, a potential for Australia to really realise some goals, like especially around the way you and I approach the issue of climate action. I mean, people who listen to this show know that I am a... Um, the environment, like yes, yeah, you yeah. know, environmentalist. You know, I'm a pro climate action maniac. I have been very proud yeah, to to protest it. for environment issues. That's how I got politicised at university. We have to
0: get to net zero, and right we
1: have, yeah, and but also we believe in the capacity of this country to be a leader in terms of the exporting of technology yeah. and the creation of new forms of employment and and superstructural change. Yeah. That says if the climate is an overwhelming issue, the society that lives in the climate is both the solution, the path, the reward, all of those things. And Labor can do that by looking at employment models, economic models, and research and investment and science and industry, all the moving parts of what superstructural change actually means.
0: As Biden says, you say climate change, I say jobs.
1: Yes. Yes. And that is why I'm a socialist and why you are a socialist, because we believe in the intersection of those things in material reality.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And look, you know, all credit to um, all credit to the community campaigns that are being described as teal and and the various independents who are Menzian independents, in my view. You know, they have a range of different views on a range of different policies. They sort of all have two or three core things that they that they believe in, um, but generally they have various various positions on things, and that will come out and that will play out as the government. Actually sits and has parliamentary sittings and, and legislation.
1: But the idea that we've got a consensus that a federal ICAC
0: is imperative. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing, right? Again, Menzian Hawk view. You know, Menzies Menzies put out flyers going, we believe in unions. We support the right of unions and workers to unionize for better wages. Hawk created tripartite institutions that had employers, unions, and government making decisions together. For the betterment of all.
1: What you mean like the structure of the extremely prosperous German economy?
0: Yeah. And you know, and this so there is a consensus on ICAC. There is a consensus on climate action that generates jobs and opportunity. Like there are actually this 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 concept, this this Morrisonism of conflict, uh, I think that's what we're seeing the end of. We're seeing a return. Um, very clear return to the the Menzian Hawke uh, eras of Australian politics doesn't mean the Liberal Party. The, I think the Liberal Party may well fall apart after this. Mm. You know, it has not always been the Liberal Party. It's one of those things that has existed and not existed and existed in different formats and multiple different parties. Um, you know, this is the longest period where it has been the Liberal Party.
1: Yes, certainly, and, I mean, if you look at the energy that – I mean, Menzies had been Prime Minister before. Yeah. Menzies was Prime Minister at the beginning of the Second World War and infamously recommended he should go to England because it was more important to defend, which I don't really think is the kind of electoral winner um, he might have thought at the time as he subsequently found out. But um, Menzies realised that it was – unsustainable like the the fractiousness of the party of which he was a member and um you know the conservative movement at that time and establishing that small ill liberal framework which they took to the election in forty nine. I mean, they were in government for twenty-three years. Yeah. Twenty-three years. But Forty-nine to seventy-two was a pretty momentous period of time. In a
0: way, it was it, it Menzianism was sort of a reaction. Like the, the that's that that Liberal Party was a reaction to the threat, if you like, of socialism. Absolutely. Right? That the, that there needed to be a bulwark against socialism that could could govern without revolution um, being a real and genuine threat. Well,
1: this is the thing, I mean it's bismarckian because yeah.
0: I mean the Now we we're getting really into the history Yeah, now, we
1: folks. are, but we are it's and important. it's but it's important people understand these things that the the threat of socialism, mm. radical socialism, mm. structuralized socialism was the reason why Bismarck in the 19th century in Germany, looking yeah. at the rise of the Social Democratic Party there, uh, which was banned for yeah. many, many, many years. Australia actually had a Social Democratic Party, the Australian Labor Party, elected before the Social Democrats were ever elected in Germany. We were the first country on earth to yeah. have a Workers' Party form government. Um, the, Bismarck, who was, of course, you know, the ultimate yeah. establishment individual individual defender of German hierarchy, saw the threat of socialism and legislated uh, the first pensions yeah. in the West because that was how you kept the working class weight yeah. was that, oh, well, you know, we will give you pensions. The first government to introduce um, the wel- like welfare policy and things like paid doll in the United Kingdom, mm. again, was a liberal government yeah. um, because of the threat of socialism that was coming out of the oppression of the working class and strikes there. It wasn't the British Labor Party. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it was those frameworks that enabled Labour parties to build the powerful institutions of the welfare state that have transformed opportunity in, in Australia, like led to this, you know, massive equalization. And, and then I'm not saying the classes are equal, no, no. but an an equalization, a process towards equalization that did not exist.
0: And even prior. in even in places like America where, you know, that really the the pension system there is is you know very broken. But the the retirement pension that they have the social security system that they have when it was being established under FDR you know progressives there Argued against it, said that said that it would stop people from, from getting basically getting radicalised. That it was that it was essentially um, giving a giving, force of
1: moderation. Yeah,
0: that it was giving and capitalists look, the lash over people, even in their retirement. Like it was and
1: look, and in some ways that's true. And there have been the people who we describe as the ultra left or accelerationists. Mm-hmm. Accelerationists, by the way, are supposedly left wing people who vote for conservative parties because they think it'll bring on the revolution faster. And unfortunately, there are these people in Australia and they are no friends of ours, let me tell you. Um, But there has been that element in the left, which is like, no, global, immediate, communist revolution now. Um, Whereas you and I, probably because we grew up in reduced circumstances, uh, know that in any kind of like violent upheaval, it's people in reduced circumstances who tend to die first. So, um, you know, out of loyalty to our class, we pursue what is known in left wing literature as the Long march through the institutions, uh, which was recommended by Antonio Gramsci and Rudy Dutschke, and you can look both of them up. Look, I think this
0: is fascinating. We, you know, it's the day after the election, right? <laughs> and we- you and I are back on our
1: ideology. <laughs> yes, it's, I almost said a rude word, which we can't say it's, on
0: Apple. It's it's been a decade of Tory misrule. Uh, that party is smashed. You know, I look down the list of MPs who've lost their seats either to Labour, like Michael Suker, or to uh, independents, like uh, people like Jason Falinski.
1: Oh, so good that Falinski's
0: gone. Goodbye,
1: Michael Suker. I don't miss you at all.
0: Who did things? You know, who on a personal level, you know, uh, attacked attacked the rights of. People like my family attacked the rights of friends. Attacked our rights to organise. You know, to to see them washed away from the political landscape. To see, I
1: believe somebody suggested that might happen in the New York Times this
0: week. Ben, indeed. And if you haven't read Van's piece from Friday, from Friday, predicting uh, predicting that the Australian public would not tolerate a Morrison government that had failed so badly on the core issue of climate change but also more broadly uh, you should check that out that's on Vance's social media pages you can read that everywhere look we've had an extended edition today
1: the dog is very tired and oh. we're going to
0: leave you we're going to leave you with that don't forget to check out the week on Wednesday we will be back on Wednesday talking about the first 3 days of a brand new Anthony Albanese led Australian Labor Party government in Australia.
1: And can we recommend for people like Dave and Alicia and all of the people who have messaged us, the union organiser who has told us that their son listens to our show and all of the people across the country who are part of the glorious Mm. movement of organised labour, if you want to build that movement, please share the show. Yeah. Because... Uh, We give what we can to the movement that we love and the people who we serve, and if this is helping people feel more confident about making political arguments and understanding policy contexts and economic jargon and all of these different frameworks, please share the show.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Share, comment, like, talk about it, talk about the issues. We, you know, we are free from the yoke of Toryism, Let's explore the ideas that make us such a great nation. It's, oh, I gotta go because I'm gonna start to cry. Love you, Vanny. I love you, my beloved comrade. Bye. Bye.